0: Hello kata wanto, Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific, Mikoroi Hawkins. Coming up...
1: Apart from other priorities, climate finance, and loss and damage remain high on the agenda of the Pacific.
0: With only two days remaining at the climate talks in Egypt, it's crunch time for Pacific negotiators. Also,
2: this management procedure approach, it's not like you know flying a plane where you put it on autopilot and let the plane you know fly off into the sunset.
0: Pacific Island countries are being urged to adopt a modern tuna management strategy at this year's Tuna Commission meeting. And later on, we talk about what Toa Samoa's debut at the Rugby League World Cup finals means for Pacific.
3: This is very significant for um, not only to Samoa, but for Pacific sport.
0: With only two days remaining at the climate talks in Egypt, it's crunch time for Pacific negotiators. They're trying to push through a complex and sensitive range of issues of vulnerable countries to be compensated for climate change fuel disasters known as the loss and damage finance. The Alliance of Small Island States, which the Pacific is a part of, is discussing whether it will walk away from the summit without a deal if such an agreement is not made. A decision was expected to be reached yesterday, however the agreement to a consensus has been pushed forward to tomorrow. To better understand the Pacific's position in these negotiations, INZ Pacific reporter Rachel Nath spoke with Tangalore Cooper, Director of Climate Change Resilience at the Secretariat of the Pacific Regional Environment Programme, or SPREP. She began by asking, after days of slow progress, does the loss and damage deal look like it's in a the distance?
1: There has been a little bit of movement on loss and damage, which is encouraging. But they said that apart from other priorities, climate finance and loss and damage re- remain high on the agenda of the Pacific. The Pacific is determined not to go away from this empty handed. They're calling on the COP presidency for accountability to meet the 100 billion finance goal that will give confidence across all of the finance mechanisms. And loss and damage financing is a key priority for us. There has been some movement in that regard with the Pacific Four forefront. Uh, six political champions. So apart from the negotiators themselves, they are supported and messaging reinforced at a political level. So we have a um, political champion, uh, the minister from Tuvalu for loss and damage, and is very active. In this space, but we've also had here the Prime Minister of the Cook Islands, who is the political champion for the Pacific in finance. So that just brings an additional uh, layer to amplify the Pacific voice here and support our negotiators who are going into the rooms. And some of the um, negotiations have gone late into the night on Friday night. I think finishing at about two in the morning. So it's a very, very busy time. But this week is when the negotiations, I think, really everything will come down to the wire.
3: Right, absolutely. And now I just like to emphasize a little on um, loss and damage. Have we seen substantial outcomes picking up in these negotiations?
1: Well, I think so. A lot more countries are talking about loss and damage. Having said that, the Pacific, you know, is concerned. We, we don't know how long that would take, and it's an urgent matter for the Pacific. So there has been a lot of discussion around timelines and when that will be set up. So, you know, we maintain a strong and, and a unified call for this facility and to make sure that there is funding that averts and minimizes and addresses loss and damage. And then, talking to the political champion, you know he's quietly confident that there will be a bit a bit more movement on that, but then you know we've also heard that some there is a small cluster of countries that are talking about you know doing away with the um 1.5 degree uh, limiting global
3: warming. In terms of long-term financing, and I think you've alluded to this when you've said there are some richer countries that are saying that they simply do not have the finance to support the l framework. Do you feel that there's going to be more discussions and more reports, but whether we can see anything significant actually come out of this uh, climate talks?
1: You know, that's a, that's a very good question. And that's a question uh, that our high level have been asking towards the end of this week, and and and, um, and I guess the consensus that the Pacific can't wait for more studies and more um, assessments to be made. the The fact of the matter is, we have suffered a lot of loss and damage because of climate change, and this is something that is 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 well known to Pacific people. So to wait much longer while the world discusses how this is going to um, look, what the facility will look like, is, is not something that the Pacific is, is keen on. There has been some dialogue uh, between uh, some of our countries and the larger emit some of the larger emitters, um, and the sense that is, you know, we they need to know what the state of play is, what the baseline in the, in the, is in the Pacific, and and quite honestly, I don't think our countries are, are, are keen to, to wait any longer. It's, it's kind of like kicking the can down the road, you know, for more time.
0: In less than two weeks, distant water fishing nations and Pacific Islands tuna resource owners will gather in Vietnam for the 19th regular session of the Western and Central Pacific Fisheries Commission meeting, also known as the Pacific Tuna Commission. It's one of the most significant meetings for the regional fishery in terms of emerging from the pandemic and with a massive U.S. funding boost expected to be on the agenda. In the lead-up to this, four international organizations have written an open letter to Pacific leaders to adopt a new science-based management strategy for the region. It's directed specifically at the eight island countries who form the parties to the Nauru agreement who control the world's largest skipjack tuna fishery. Joining me to talk more about this modern approach is Dave Gershman of the Ocean Foundation and Glenn Holmes from the Pew Charitable Trusts and Welcome on Pacific Waves. Starting with you, Glenn, can you explain for us in a nutshell what this new management strategy is?
4: The system that's being considered for Skipjack at the moment is a management procedure, which is essentially pre-agreed rules on how the fishery will be managed into the future, on, on what kind of decisions will be made, um, based on modelling that incorporates a whole range of uncertainties in, in the fishery. So it's a much more robust scientifically based management system
0: and th- this is ready for implement- implementation is it what where is the uncertainty coming from
4: so the, the the state of play at the moment is that everything is in place to have a management procedure agreed at the WCPFC uh, next month when it meets for its annual meeting. But there is concern amongst some of the PNA members. Um, about actually implementing it straight away, they're a bit nervous about putting it into place, and so they what they want to do is say yes, we'll agree to the system, but we're not going to be bound by it for another six years. That's where we're a bit concerned about how things are playing out because there is really, to our mind, there is, they haven't presented a good enough justification for delaying the implementation and, and not being and not being bound by it.
0: And, and so, the reason and the reason the PNA matters is because it is. The, the sort of the largest fishery for skipjack isn't it in terms of that and also the has probably has the largest sway on the management of skipjack in the pacific
4: oh yes by far They're, they control the largest skipjack fishery in the world by a long way
0: so yeah have there been internal discussions behind the scenes to try and get this stuff sorted i mean like this is obviously a very public the 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 letter from all of the ngos is a very public sort of uh Space. So I'm 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 assuming that there have been talks going on behind closed doors that haven't gotten the traction that you guys are are happy with.
4: Yep, yeah, that's pretty good summary. I think, um, Dave, what, how would you summarize it?
2: Yeah, um, you know, I would agree with you. Um, we sent this letter, um, from the NGOs to the PNA, as well as, um, distributed it, and you know, I think. Glenn brought up the one of the concerns um, that the PNA mentioned publicly, which was related to sort of a lack of comfort, comfort in this new approach. And I think I, I think, sure, that's understandable. This is a new approach, but um, it's been sort of discussed for uh, eight years. And this management procedure approach, it's not like um, you know flying a plane where you put it on autopilot and then the pilot and co-pilot jump out the back door and parachute to earth and let the plane, you know, fly off into the sunset. This approach still gives managers control over the fishery. There are mechanisms that will be in place to regularly review um, the conduct of the management procedure. And so um, we're hoping upon further reflection. Um, Managers will um, take comfort in this. And even though this is, yes, a new process for WCPFC, Um, These management procedures have been used in other fisheries domestically and internationally with with great success.
0: A pillar of the county's Manukau community and former police officer Alf Filipina says Toa Samoa's debut at the Rugby League World Cup finals is huge not just for Samoa but for the entire Pacific sport. Samoa stunned hosts England to reach the Rugby League World Cup final with a golden point victory in extra time after a thrilling semi-final had ended 26-26 on Saturday. The Pacific Islanders crushed 66 by England in the opening game of the tournament, produced a sensational display at the Emirates Stadium and sealed a dramatic victory thanks to an audacious drop goal by Stephen Crichton. It was the biggest day so far in Samoan sporting history, setting up a final against reigning champions Australia at Old Trafford on Sunday morning Samoa time. Amid all of the ongoing excitement among Samoan communities all over the world, RNZ Pacific reporter Finau Funua spoke with the Auckland Maluka World Councillor Al Filipina about the significance of Tor Samoa's upcoming finals debut.
5: This is actually the first time a Pacific Island nation has made it to the rugby league, league or union, to the final. Could you describe, like, how, from your perspective, how significant this is?
3: This is very significant for um, not only Tour Samoa, but for Pacific sport, for our Pacific nations. You know, we had Manu Samoa, obviously, when they ended up, I think, getting to the quarters and that win against Wales in the Rugby World Cup. But this here is is massive for our our, our Pacific nations. Definitely massive. It's just so cool that we're represented at the final of a World Cup.
5: Do you think Thay Samoa could pull off an upset?
3: Always. <laughs> Always. <laughs> You know, I, I think it's the pride that they now have, uh, especially after that English win. But it's the pride they have, and you know, and what we're seeing with the people out there celebrating is so many of our Pacific nations flags. That's that's why this is massive. You know, I mean, yeah, I I, I when they made the final, the, one of my first thoughts went to my late brother who played for the Kiwis and. And then at the end of his rugby league career, played for Taurama in the Pacific Cup. So you know, I thought to myself, man, that is so cool. And our, our old, the old players, the, the the ones that had, you know, started all this off, need to be acknowledged. But the uh, current team need to be celebrated, definitely.
5: And could you describe the um, the celebrations that are going going on in um, Auckland? Sorry, I live in the North Shore.
3: Leave North Shore for a few hours, my friend. <laughs> and, and it's at David Longy Park opposite the Mangere Town Centre. It starts at 2 o'clock and, you know, we we we, we got people going there like uh, the Freestyle, DJ Spice, DJ Lark, Steve uh, with Ella, you know, Facil uh, Samoa. We, we have even, <laughs> even Tōwhinga's going to come at about 3 o'clock. So, look, it would be massive if you wanted to come out for now.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. that that moment, um, Crichton got that goal. <laughs> Could you describe that moment when you were watching?
3: I screamed, you know, <laughs> I, I just yelled and yelled and my partner was still upstairs. <laughs> and I got off of my chair, put, raised my two hands and just screamed, yay, hell, this is massive, this is cool. It was, it really did. And you know, like I said, I then sort of half back sort of saying, you know, good on you, bro. And all the other past players for 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 being the 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 beginners and now we have Tor Samoa in the final. So I celebrated by myself, which was really cool.
5: Um, you know, you, you mentioned your, your brother. Could you he was he um involved with the Tor Samoa or someone rugby league?
3: Yeah, so uh, Olsen was a... Um, played for the Kiwis first and captain the Kiwis, went overseas and toured with the Kiwis in England. And then before he retired from Rugby League, he wanted to represent our dad. And so he played um, in the 80s. He played uh, up uh, a Pacific tournament that the Maldives won, um, so that's that's where the brother uh, represented. He he wanted to represent our dad, and he's the only one out of the six boys that has. So he 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 represented dad through Taur Samoa, so yeah, before he finished his league career.
5: Do you think anyone back then would have imagined that? Uh,
3: no, I, I can tell you now. No, no, I I don't think they would have imagined the World Cup final, the Rugby League World Cup final I don't think they ever imagined that that would actually happen and it has It's only in the recent years now just over the last maybe five to seven years that you know, and 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 Toasa Samoa have made inroads um, against England against um, Australia and the Kiwis So I think people started then think, geez, there may be a chance one of our Pacific nations could actually um, play in a, a rugby league final. But and it's happened. You know, it is just so cool that the game against them. You know, I'm only saying that I just love that game against Tonga. That was like massive. And then playing England, massive, and, and now the final.
5: If Samoa beats Australia, what are you gonna what are you gonna do? <laughs>
3: Well, I, 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 I will have no doubt be, uh, as what happened in the final, I got, I started getting emails and texts, um, from people saying, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? So that's why I got hold of, uh, you know, just the, the, the uh, local government people like the local board and some of the councillors and Auckland Council and, EMN and, and Radio Samoa, and that's how we did it in a few days. If When they win the final, this is the cool thing, when they win the final, there'll be something organised. Guarantee it, whether it be out south or whether it be in, in Auckland, something will be organised for the tour Samoa team, definitely.
0: That's specific waves for today. Remember, you can download us for free to your device from Spotify, iHeart, or Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. Thank you, Tomas, and look who you next time more.